episode of All Have Another Podcast is brought to you by Prep Dish. Prep Dish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service that wants to help you save time. Allison, the chef at Prep Dish, who is also a dietitian, puts together a detailed grocery list for you, organized by category for you to take to the store, grab your ingredients for the week, and prep your meals for the entire week at home on the weekend. It takes about one to three hours to prep for the entire week, and then you have easy, stress-free, tasty meals that are healthy for your whole week. Meals like smoky and paprika chicken legs with a trio of roasted vegetables or turkey and zucchini lasagna. The founder, Allison, is offering listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out prepdish.com slash another for this amazing deal. Thanks, PrepDish, for supporting this episode of All Have Another Podcast. Thanks, PrepDish, for supporting this episode of the podcast. All right, guys, today you're listening to episode 107, and I'm talking with Noah Drotti. Noah is an American distance runner who runs for Saucony and Polar. He's from Indianapolis, you guys, so we had a fun connection there. And you may have found out about Noah back in 2016 when he ran in the Olympic trials in the 10K and the marathon. And he was the guy with the long hair and the shades that everybody was like, who is that guy? And Noah, by now, I'm sure that you love that everybody still brings that up. Um, But that's kind of when he... Uh, broke onto the scene as far as Runner's World picking him up. And since then, he's moved to Boulder, Colorado, where he trains with Roots Running. And he is taking a ridiculous amount of time off of his half marathon PR. He actually holds a PR now of 61.48. He has shaved five minutes off his time in just two years' time. And when you're running that fast, five minutes is a whole lot of time. He also ran the Chicago Marathon this past fall in 216 and has plans to run another fall marathon uh, this year. He is running the New York City half along with a lineup of a bunch of other great elite runners here next week. So make sure you're watching for him to see what he does in New York next weekend. This is a fun conversation with Noah. I loved catching up with him. I told him he's only the fourth man that's ever been on my show as a guest. So. Um, this was really fun. Before we get started talking with Noah, I do want to thank Bissell Bark Bath for supporting this podcast. Bathing your dog is a huge pain. In the winter, you can't clean them outside and the bathroom gets messy and groomers are expensive. The Bissell Bark Bath allows pet parents to bathe their pet with virtually no mess, eliminating the inevitable cleanup that comes along with washing a four-legged family member. This all-in-one system can be used in any room in the house anytime with a minimal mess. Now we've used our bark bath three times and Cadence, our dog, is probably cleaner than she's ever been. The bark bath works with any length of fur or hair and uses a no rinse shampoo. Specially designed nozzles get beneath the fur and down to the skin, the true source of the stink, to allow water and shampoo to wash the skin clean while a soft suction pulls dirt and water away into a separate dirty water tank. And what's more is the bark bath uses less than 48 ounces of water to clean pets up to 80 pounds compared to the traditional bathing in a tub, which can use up to 19 gallons of water. Bissell sent me a bark bath and we are really enjoying the product and I think you will too. Go to bissell.com slash another to learn more and buy your very own bark bath. When you use the coupon code another, you'll receive two bottles of free no rinse shampoo with your order. This coupon code is good for a limited time only. That's Bissell.com, B-I-S-S-E-L-L.com slash another 
and use the coupon code ANOTHER, all caps, at checkout to get two free no rinse shampoos with your order of a bark bath. Thanks, Bissell Bark Bath, for supporting this episode of All Have Another. Hey, if you guys are loving the show, I would appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. It's a call to action I do every week, and I really appreciate those of you who have already gone over and done that. I check those all the time and read every single one of them. It's the best way for potential new listeners to find us, so that would be a huge help in supporting this podcast and my efforts behind it. If you're looking for more content from me, I do put out monthly bonus episodes over on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. Uh, The newest episode just went up this past Sunday with my friend Molly Turner, who is training for Grandma's Marathon right now, where I also have other returning guests and episodes with my husband over there as well. I'd say by now we have well over 20 episodes over there, so if you did start supporting now, you have a backlog of quite a few episodes to get through. Hey, you guys, my favorite place on social media right now is Instagram. You can follow me at lindsayhine626. Make sure you're also following Noah over there, Noah underscore Drotti. All right, let's go ahead and get started and enjoy this conversation with Noah Drotti. So we're talking with Noah Drotti today. And Noah, did you know that I've always said Noah Drotti? I've always said your last name wrong. Yeah, you wouldn't be the only one. Um, I, I've heard Drowdy, Drody, kind of all over the place. It, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> well, I was just really glad when I was prepping for this that I listened to a couple other things where other people said your name. And because I would have just like shamelessly said it the wrong way. And then my question to you is, <laughs> would you have corrected me or would you have just like let it go? I would have let it go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't bug me that much. Okay, so you just got done with practice. What did you just get done doing? Yeah, um, so I did. I actually did my hard workout yesterday, but most of my uh, most of my team did their hard workout today. So I was actually just out there running running easy and kind of trying to encourage them. It's it's beautiful in Boulder today. It's like sixty five and sunny, so there were a lot of people a lot of people out running. Um, so yeah, I was I was just running easy. I think I did ten miles. So were you running around, like, were you running around a track while they were doing a workout or were you out on the roads? Um, I was on the road. There's also like, so I went a little bit early and got most of my run in and then, uh, did their warm up. There's kind of a nice trail over in that area. Uh, and then, then I just kind of jogged around the infield of the track to finish up. Um, I was going super slow, so it didn't really matter. Okay. What was your workout yesterday? Um, yesterday I did a five mile tempo that was net downhill. Um, so every now and then we'll switch up the tempo route and kind of practice running fast downhill. Um, so I did five miles of that and then took about three minutes of rest. And then I did, uh, I did four times 300 meters, just a little bit quicker pace to kind of work on the speed a little bit. I like running fast downhill. That sounds like fun. I know you're working your quads and different muscles, but that kind of, I don't know, that kind of workout seems less intimidating to me. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit easier to like wrap your, uh, wrap your head around. Um, but I'm running uh, the New York half and <clears throat> in a couple of weeks and there's like significant downhill stretches. And last year I found that that really helped me kind of get ready for those. So I have to mention before we get into New York and all that, that we're both from Indianapolis, which is a big deal. Yep. Yep. My, my family moved there when I was two. So I was, uh, you know, for that's really the only home I ever, I ever knew, um, grew up on the east side of Indianapolis and Irvington. Irvington. So, um, 
actually after I emailed you and I knew who you were and then you said you knew who I was from Indy, I remembered this. I think I remembered this this morning or maybe last night that we met at Three Wise Men one time when you were meeting with Todd Oliver and I was like doing some work with him. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, because I, I was doing um, like a little bit of sponsorship outreach yes. for uh, the Carmel Racing Group. Yeah, I do remember that. I didn't remember that until just now because I knew who you were from the local scene and just obviously like when you ran the 10K trials and you became like uber famous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that guy's from Indy. But I remember we actually like had pizza together at Three Wiseman that one time. Yeah. See, I remembered, but you apparently. <laughs> I must have been too cool. Um, but I also remember um, before, I don't remember if it was before this or after this, uh, I worked an event for him and it was that pleasant run, run in Irvington. And you, I think you won it. And I was like, who is that guy? Like, he's really fast. What's his deal? What's his story? Yeah, I go back to the, I try to do the pleasant run, run um, every year still. So I, I've got a five year five-year winning streak um, i was gonna say so, yeah um, the competition's probably really fierce for you down there i mean the, the, there have been a couple of years where i was pushed um yeah but I, i'm going for the decade it's like the hometown race so i kind of grew up um watching it and the race goes right by my mom's house oh fun uh, so, so it's always been you know on the to-do list as long as i can make it work Okay, well, two more Indianapolis-related things, and then we'll stop boring people with our, our local talk. But um, No, let's talk about Indianapolis the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, one of my uh, listeners, Kathy, she's a librarian, and she works with your mom. Oh, awesome. Yeah. At uh, the Irving Branch? Well, she used to work um, at that little branch in Spades Park on the Near East Side, but now she works at the big uh, fancy downtown library. Okay, the East Washington branch, or because, or my mom, I guess, has bounced around a lot, but she was primarily at East Washington and then at Irvington, but she's been kind of all over the place. Yeah, there was a, I don't know if it closed, I think it closed since then, but there was a real small one um, down on the Near East Side, like near the John H. Bonner Community Center, like 10th and Jefferson area. Oh, okay. Yep. I know exactly what you yeah. mean. Yeah. I, I used the librarian to. Connect, they will be. Yeah. I used to work down there on the Near East Side, so I'm super familiar with that area. Um, but then the other indie, uh, what was the other indie thing I was going to say? Well, now I can't even remember. Well, we can get back to it. Oh, got my hopes up. I know. I know. Um, okay. I, I will bring it back up randomly if I remember it. So you were, you were just in New York though, New York city, uh, helping announce the elite field for the half coming up. Yep. I was in New York for about 36 hours total. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, so they did, uh, this was the first year they did kind of a, uh, you know, public reveal show on Facebook live. And I, it was really cool of them to bring me out there and help with that. So it's, is it two weeks from now? It's on the 18th. So I think it's two weeks from tomorrow. Okay. Well, I'm going to put, I think I'm going to put this episode out next Friday. So we'll be a week out. Um, so what do you think about the field? What are your, what do you, um, I don't know. What do you want to do in New York? Yeah. Um, you know, that last year that was kind of the scene of like my real breakout race. I've, I've been lucky to have like a few pretty quality races, but that was like, you know, probably the biggest one for me so far. And so I definitely want to go back this year and, and, and kind of celebrate that, that initial achievement by hopefully running around there, um, or a little faster. Um, so they changed the course up this year. So it's a little bit, harder to you know like 
to create a goal with last year in mind because it's really a totally new course. But um, really, my main goal for this this year in general is to kind of start bridging the gap to being more competitive within um, an international field. Um, you know, the the U.S. is super competitive, and keeping up with those guys is always a struggle. But I would really like to find myself, you know, sticking in the main group of these big international races um, a little bit longer than I have in the past. And I think fast times uh, will will come with that. But that, that's kind of the main goal is kind of competition focused. Well, that I like that. That is I recently interviewed Allie Kiefer on this podcast. She's running the New York half as well. New York City half. Yeah. And yeah. she kind of in her my I've actually talked to her twice on the show. And most recently when we talked, that was kind of like her theme. She was like, I want to run with the lead pack. Like she wasn't really thinking about a time, but she was like, I, I want to run with people that I might not have felt like before I deserve to be up there with. And it's like, I why not give myself that shot, you know? Yeah, I totally, uh, totally echo that sentiment. Um, so like last year in New York, um, I finished seventh place, but I, I was in seventh place by like the second or third mile maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of let the... Uh, the pack of contenders go. And then, then I was like the first guy kind of in no man's land off that pack. And I still, I, you know, I ended up running a big PR and it was like a really great day for me. But, um, but I still remember the feeling of kind of watching the pack go and realizing that, man, these, like I'm having a great day, but these guys are still, you know, on another level. And so I think I recognized in that moment that, you know, the next step for me would be to feel confident, like confident participating in, in that group. Um, and I, and I hope that'll happen sometime this year and hopefully in a couple of weeks. Does it make you nervous? And do you think the reason you went into no man's land there was that you were, were you afraid you'd blow up if you stuck with them so early on? Yeah. I mean, I was already running, I was already running a pace way faster than I'd run before. So, so that day I ran 61, 48, and my previous best over the half marathon marathon was 63 20. So I was already like in uncharted territory. Yeah. And, and I felt like if I would have, you know, really poured it on early in the race to get up with those guys, you know, I might've, I might've crossed into that like point of no return. So I definitely ran, ran my race that day and kind of ran according to my fitness level. But I would hope a year down the road that my fitness level is now putting me kind of in the conversation that I can at least, at least, you know, dream about <laughs> being in that group and, and uh, sticking with them for a while. Yeah. So that 101, oh, you guys, you elite runners call it like 61. I don't know why I, in my head I still say <laughs> the time like that. But so that's 61. I think it works either way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like once you get under like 115 or something, that's what people, or no, under 110, that's how people refer to it. But um, yeah. So that's your PR, 101, 48, 61, 48. That's a 443 mm-hmm. mile. That's really freaking fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt every bit of it that day. <laughs> okay, so I want to know then you ran Chicago, your debut marathon in October, and you ran a mm-hmm. 216. What were your expectations for that race? Yeah, um, I guess I'll put an asterisk next to debut marathon start the marathon trial marathon that I would say I really put in like a training block towards. Okay. Um, so yeah, I ran the, I qualified for the Olympic marathon trials on like the last day of the window and I qualified in the half. Um, and so I just ran that as kind of a fun thing, but Chicago was definitely my first, like, you know, real honest go at it. 
Um, so that said, yeah, 216, um, it's not what I, you know, it's not what I set out to do when I like accepted the offer to run Chicago. Like I definitely, you know, I, I would say I definitely began that training block thinking more in that 212 range. Um, that said, I, I got hurt over the summer and I missed, um, you know, about six weeks of training from June to early July. Um, so I was really playing catch up in terms of marathon training. I just didn't have the time. Um, so, you know, by the time I got to Chicago, I think I did about the best, um, with what I had. And so I was initially kind of disappointed to see 216, but, you know, once I kind of factored in the missed time, I, you know, I thought it was, it was solid enough. Yeah. I listened to you, uh, in prep for this on another interview, say that you were peaking out about 90 miles a week, which for someone mm-hmm. running at your, you know, like level that it really isn't very high for marathon training. No, it's low. Um, but that, that is the most mileage that I'd ever run Yeah. Um, up to that point. But it was like, it was kind of like, Oh, my Achilles are hurt. We're, and then I basically just ran like 40 miles, 70 miles. And then I was at 90, you know, cause we were like, cause we were running out of time. Um, so I think, you know, I think we had, um, but when I do it again, you know, this fall, I think we'll definitely, uh, definitely be looking up the mileage and have kind of a more consistent going into whichever marathon we're up at. Yeah. So you are planning to do a fall marathon? Yeah, that, that's in the, that's in the plan right now. Um, so I'll do New York, kind of get back on the track a little bit and then, and then switch back to the marathon. Um, I think I'm a one marathon a year kind of guy until uh, maybe next year I'll, I'll do two. But yeah, we'll, we'll run another, another one in the fall this year. Okay, so what's your favorite distance to race? I mean, you have a 13.465 KPR. I mean, all your mm-hmm. times are like, I mean, are they kind of like equivalent? Like, do you have a strength? Like, is the longer distance kind of turning into your strength at this point? Yeah, I think so. I think that's kind of the trajectory I'm on. Um, if you were to rank my PRs, the the half marathon, I think, is the strongest mm-hmm. um, of those, with my 10K probably being second. Um, the 5K is not something I really race super um, competitively anymore. Like, you know, the races are competitive, but it's not really the event I train for. Yeah. Um, it's more like just kind of a kind of a fun thing to do. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely envision myself as a marathoner. But, um, you know, I had a really good race over 10 miles um, in Minnesota the year before last. And then, then, then the half marathon is probably my strongest PR. So yeah, it seems to be around that half marathon distance. That's kind of my sweet spot. Well, when you ran Houston, you ran the Houston half, which was a really fun race, all all kinds of exciting things with Molly Huddle breaking the American record. Um, Mm -hmm. you ran a 62 33 and you mentioned that you kind of fell short of your big goal. Were you going for, um, a PR? Were you trying to break that one Oh one? 48. Yeah. So, so Houston was kind of uniquely positioned this year in that, uh, this year is a world half marathon championships year and, um, how the selection process works, you know, without going to too much detail, there's kind of a descending order list. So the fastest half marathon times in the country, um, go to that race and represent the United States. Um, and looking at the list as it was, I kind of figured all the, all the qualifying times were going to come from that one race just because Houston's a pretty fast course. Um, so my, my time from New York actually would have made it, but it was, um, so I knew that I knew I'd probably have to run under 62 minutes to make that team. 
Um, and you know, it didn't end up happening, but I was pleased with, with how I ran that day. And I rediscovered, you know, a little competitive fire that I think had been kind of, kind of going away a little bit. So I felt like it kind of, I felt kind of like I was back, you know? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's talk about the competitive fire because you, okay, wait, where did you go to high school by the way? I went to the international high school. Oh, like the international school in Michigan? Yeah, 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 right by uh right by Butler and the towpath. Okay. Um and then you ran you went to DePaul. You ran for DePaul, which is D3 mm-hmm. for everybody listening. Um Yep. So it's just interesting thinking about where you are right now and how competitive you are not just, you know, in the uh American elite running scene, but like you were just saying, like you want to be up there with the world competing. So like, how did this happen? Like a D3 runner and seeing all this success as a professional runner. I mean, you know, you think of guys that go to IU or, you know, run for the Big Ten and all this. And you would assume that someone running for a school like that would be in your shoes. But look at you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would I would credit that to to a couple of things. I, w- I would say one, I, I, d- I was brought along like very slowly like I was never in a big time program like high school we were lucky if we you know fielded a full team um and so by the time I graduated high school you know I never ran at the state meet I didn't really have people pushing me in training but what I did have was a coach who recognized a little bit of talent and encouraged me to continue running and really the only doors for me the only doors that were open at that point were division three schools I would have had to walk on at at something like an IU if they would have even let me walk on so and then I went to d3 and like I continued developing slowly and I you know I was a national caliber division three athlete by the end of my time there but I still you know I was running 60 70 miles a week um, doing pretty modest workouts but the thing is a lot of those people people who go to those big time high school schools in Indiana, like, you know, like Carmel or a few of the others. And then they go to those big D1 programs. By the time they get out of that D1 program, a, a lot of these kids have kind of done their best running. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely, I definitely believe that your body has kind of a finite um, number of hard miles in it. You know, it's like you, you can't train full bore forever. And so I think I'm just lucky that I'm really going full on now in my in my adult years. Like I didn't start training at that kind of level until my 20s, you know. And so I feel like my running longevity is there, you know. Like I can keep going, whereas a lot of people have kind of exhausted themselves by by the point they graduate college. So yeah, I think that kind of relaxed atmosphere allowing me to progress naturally, and then at each level having coaches who were like, yeah, he's, he's doing well, but there's definitely like a next level there. And I've been encouraged to pursue those levels. So I I would definitely say those are the two factors that have kind of led me to continuing the sport. That, yeah, that's huge because yeah, I mean, think about those kids. They're like so burnt out, especially if they're running like 70 miles a week in high school and then they're going on to college and they do four very competitive years there. They're burnt out. Yeah, it's it's high pressure and it, and it's cool. Like, don't get me wrong. If I would have gotten a D one offer to go run at IU, like <laughs> I would have been there. It's only in hindsight that I can say that it was actually the best path for me not to do those things and to be competitive and at a D three level and to you know progress my mileage naturally and slowly. 
Yeah. I mean, and I think that we can all relate to that. And I, I hope that my listeners aren't getting annoyed with me harping on this too much in my recent episodes, but, (laughs) um, I like, so I'm pregnant with my fourth kid and like, um, I just ran a marathon. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I just ran a marathon PR this past fall and then like, apparently two weeks later got pregnant, but I, I keep (laughs) talking about how like, um, I haven't afforded myself this opportunity to build upon seasons, you know, and even though I'm in my mid thirties now, I'm very much looking forward to, um, testing my limits once I'm done, like running a marathon and then having a baby and then running a marathon and then having a baby, you know, and seeing what I can do. And I don't think I've tapped into that you know, that kind of training that you're talking about. I mean, obviously I'm talking about on a more recreational level, but still, I think that all of us can kind of relate to that mentality on some level. Yeah. I mean, it does. I don't think the the level of competition necessarily matters. I mean, the secret, the secret to any level of competition and the secret to improving, you know, anyone's PR is, is consistency. And it's about like bringing your training you know, slowly bringing it up in kind of a methodical way. And, you know, people don't want to hear that that sometimes it takes 10 years, right? (laughs) you know, but if, but if you do it or, I mean, it doesn't have to take 10 years, but in my case it did. I mean, but if, as long as you are consistently consistent, um, I mean, that's when you're really going to start discovering kind of the upper limits of your ability. Yeah. So I want to talk about, uh, you moving to Boulder because I think it's kind of cool for me to see this from the outside looking in because, uh, seeing as how I kind of did know who you were before everything, um, before you, you know, started running for the roots running project and you, you were making, you know, you're kind of making a name for yourself and listening to you on another podcast, talking about your journey to getting to where you are now and, thinking about how, you know, at one point you were thinking, am I hanging this up? Is there somewhere for me to go? Am I going to pursue this professionally? And then seeing where you are now, it's almost like I kind of saw that happening and didn't realize that was happening. And now here you are, you know? So yeah, talk about that. Like talk about being back in Indianapolis and kind of, you know, you were competing on the local scene, like running, winning lots of races, but then um, when you reached, you reached out to a bunch of groups and the roots running project is the one that got back to you and you kind of decided, all right, like, let's go, let's do this. What did that look like? Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely got to like kind of a point of stagnation just in, and probably I would say my life in general in Indianapolis. I mean, I was happy and I had great friends and, you know, I was working at runners forum. Um, and I was still, I was still running, but I, I did, I just didn't, you know, I, I definitely saw myself doing the same thing in five years or whatever, and like not much had changed. And so I was like, I, th- I think I just needed to to go a different direction just for personal fulfillment and to, you know, just kind of make a life kind of worth living for myself. And, and I started asking myself, you know, like, what is the vehicle that's going to what is the vehicle that's going to allow me like an opportunity for change? You know, I, I didn't honestly didn't necessarily have like a defined career path. You know, I didn't, there wasn't, there wasn't a job that made me super excited, um, or gave me, you know, an idea of fulfillment. Um, but what I did have and what I've really always had is running. And, and I knew that I, I did not feel like I had tapped out my ability as a runner. I felt like I still had a high ceiling and, and there are some great runners in Indianapolis. Like I'm definitely not throwing shade at anybody, <laughs> but in terms of infra- in terms of infrastructure, like it just wasn't there. 
you know, there was not a group that was going to hold me super accountable. Um, you know, it was hard for me to link up with guys to train with and, and it, it, I'm not one of those guys who can necessarily do it every day, like on my own, yeah. like it, it helps me to have a coach and a team. And so I was like, okay, so running is that vehicle. Like now how do I use running to go live my, my best life? You know, it was like maybe kind of corny as that sounds, but you know, so I was like, okay, there are definitely groups around the country. Um, emails you know my prs were still my prs from college which which were good but they just weren't you know they weren't what you'd you wouldn't look at them and be like okay this guy can be successful on a national level so you know no like most coaches didn't answer my emails and to be totally honest like i didn't blame them i probably would not have answered my emails (laughs) but uh but richie from the roots running project which was you know not fully formed at the time um, he was just like, you know, I see, I, he took the time to like, look at my training history and saw that I had run impressive times if you consider the training I had done. And so it kind of took a chance on me. Um, and I was just like, boom, there it is. Boulder seems like a cool place. You know, like I can check the box of like getting out of Indianapolis. Um, I love Indianapolis. It was time for a change though. Um, and so I was just like, okay, I've got a reason to go. Like running is now my reason to go. So I, uh, you know, I ran the the monumental half marathon and then I took off the next week. Is that when you ran the 106 and you were like trying to qualify for the marathon trials? Yeah. I mean, I would say, I would say in my mind at that point, qualifying for the marathon trials was, was a definite stretch goal. Like Uh I wouldn't say I I had done maybe the appropriate training to make that a realistic goal, but it was in the back of my mind. Um, But I was actually very excited to run 106 um, cause that was a two minute PR for me. Um, so, that, so that's I still crazy. Look back on that as a good day. That in 2015, a one Oh six was a two minute PR for you. And now your PR, um, and just about three years later, oh, well, really it was two years later. You ran the 61. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Uh, yeah. I've, I've had definitely kind of a fairy tale, um, progression you know (laughs) like it's it's been it's been a really fun ride and people will always ask you know like how did you drop so much time like what did you change and you know my answer is well I I changed everything Mm. you know like I I totally I left Indianapolis I got a new coach I I trained at a professional level in a professional system Um, I started working part-time just so I could make running a priority, even though that wasn't paying the bills at the time, you know, and, and I just, I just put, I moved to altitude. Like I just put all of my eggs in that basket. And I was, you know, one of the lucky cases where that effort was rewarded, um, pretty, you know, pretty immediately. So, okay. W- one question before we get more into Boulder is what place did that get you a monumental when you ran the one Oh six? Oh, that's actually a great question. I, I think it was 11th because I, I remember seeing one guy ahead of me and thinking that he was 10th place. And like, mm. you know, I, I made a big push to try to get into the top 10, but didn't quite catch him. But I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it was 11th. Okay. And so is like, is like 61 minutes. I keep going back and forth between how to say these times. Um, <laughs> it's all I'm the same. such a rookie. <laughs> um, are, uh, would your 101, would that... Um, would that win monumental? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure that would be a course record at Monumental. You got to come do it sometime. I mean, I know you have like other big things going on, but you got to come win Monumental one year. I mean, well, to be honest, I'm like kind of waiting for an invitation from the race directors. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, they'd love to yeah. have you. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I mean, the it's kind of funny. Like we get you know offers and invitations from a lot of races but i actually have not heard from either monumental or um or the mini which oh. i've never run um which is kind of weird to me because i kind of figured they they might want me to come out but um no i mean i would definitely i would definitely consider doing either of those races um but at this point it kind of falls to to athlete recruiters and agents and stuff um okay, well... and i just haven't really well, I I <laughs> bet really hurt. I bet somebody from both of those races is listening. So, hello, why is Noah Drotty not on your list? <laughs> Listen uh, to it, guys. Yeah, get on it. Okay, so Boulder, though you how many yeah, got how I'll, many? I'll what? Sorry, you cut. Oh, out. Go ahead. Sorry. No. Okay. I, yeah, you, we just lost each other for a second, but go ahead. Um. No, I was just gonna say. So Boulder, um, how many people are in your training group now? I mean, you were so, I mean, this is like a relatively new program going on. So tell me about that. And, and I've seen you, you know, kind of credit your successes to training with this group of people. Yeah. Um, 100%. Um, so when I moved out here, I, I was pretty much the first, um, like high performance male athlete on the team. And then we, and we had two, um, very good women, Leah Gray and Mara Olson. Um, Mara's now in San Francisco in med school, but Aaliyah is still out here. Um, she finished 10th at the marathon trials. Okay. So she's definitely, you know, high caliber runner. Um, and, you know, it's kind of grown. And as with a lot of running teams, there's been, you know, kind of a revolving door of athletes coming in and out. But we have pretty much settled in at, at right around five men and five women. So, you know, kind of a mid-sized group. And then Richie Hansen, who's the coach. Um, but yeah, like when I first got out here, like Aaliyah was, and still, um, she's like a very inspiring athlete to me. And like, I all of a sudden was like, oh, this is how a professional trains, <laughs> you know, like this is, this is how they do. This is what the lifestyle is like. Cause I just didn't really have that role model before. Um, and she was definitely that role model to me. And then Richie, who really approached my training, like as if I was already a world class, class <laughs> athlete. You know, he was uh-huh. like, he was dialed in very specific workouts. He's at every training session, you know, and so he treated me as if I was a better runner than I was on paper. Um, and so I had, you know, I wanted to live up to those expectations. And so, um, and those two are married, Aaliyah and Rich are married. Um, oh, and okay. so, yeah. And so between those two, I was just like, okay, like the level of expectation is higher. Um, and so I just kind of, I guess I would I would tell you that I I just started working a lot harder to be like worthy of their um to be worthy of the effort that they'd put in to me, you know, and um to give them kind of a return on their investment. Um and you know, since then we've we've established a pretty good stable of, you know, national class runners and so now I actually do have people to show up and run the actual workouts with, but back in, you know, back a couple of years ago it was basically I would run the workouts, you know, kind of on my own with, you know, Richie nearby with a stopwatch. Isn't that a testament to when someone puts a belief in you that you maybe weren't a hundred percent sure that you had it in yourself, like what 
your expectations just turn so much higher. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's like, okay, I'm a 66 minute half marathoner now moving out here and with the dream that I can compete with guys who are running, you know, 61, 62 minutes, which is kind of a crazy thing. Like, but if you have someone else who believes in that and, and is like buying into that narrative, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, you know, this was kind of pie in the sky, but maybe if this guy thinks it's a possibility, like it can actually happen. And so then you go about your day as if it's almost inevitable. Um, and that, uh, I mean, that was huge for me. Yeah. It makes me think I need to be that person to people, you know, like be the person that believes, like make someone else believe that they're so much better than they actually are, you know, and then they actually can achieve that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the mark of a great coach. I mean, and I've been lucky to have great coaches all the way through my career, but I mean, it's really the ability to inspire self-belief. Yeah. So when you were in Indy though, who were you training with? I mean, I feel like outside of PBT, there's not really like any elite development or like training groups here. Yeah. Um, so, so I graduated in 2013 and then later that year, maybe early 2014, I started training uh, to Roger Bush, who at, who at that time was the uh, head coach of Wabash College. And so we had a small group of post-collegiates who, who were training and, and, didn't, and doing some racing. But, you know, it just wasn't a great fit. It wasn't, it wasn't a fully formed idea, I guess. So, so that kind of um, puttered out. And then, um, and then I did start. Then I was on my own for a while. I was kind of hurt. Um, but once I started getting healthy again, I contacted, uh, Matt Ebersall. So I, I was training, um, in association, in association with PBT and Matt was writing my workouts. Um, but I, in terms of the actual running of the workouts, I was doing, I was pretty much doing everything alone. Um, which, like I said before, I'm not necessarily that, that huge self motivator. So I was finding it like pretty easy to skip days, pretty easy to, give myself an out. So I just wasn't like training to my full potential. Um, but Matt was a great coach and like wrote some great workouts. The, just the situation overall just, you know, wasn't right for me as an athlete. Okay. So now you are sponsored by Saucony. That's huge. Yep. I've got a, yeah. So sponsored by Saucony and, uh, and Polar, um, who they make uh, heart rate GPS watches. Um, so yeah, I'm working with a couple, a couple really great companies now. So tell me how, okay, we'll start with Saucony and tell me how that all panned out. I mean, just talk about the experience of, I mean, that's got to be kind of like a dream come true as a, someone who's been aspiring to be a professional athlete, to be picked up by someone like Saucony and Polar. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, 1000%, it's like the dream come true. Um, you know, and I, so in New York, it was actually the race that, that really put me in that conversation last year. I'd been feeling like kind of knocking on the door. Like people ask me all the time what it takes to be a sponsored athlete. And it's not necessarily, there's not necessarily one answer, but the one thing that you definitely have to be is, you know, nationally competitive and, and you have to do it like a few times before companies will really take you seriously. And so I felt like I was knocking on the door, knocking on the door, you know, I, I signed with an agent um, and then New York happened and it was like, okay, like all of a sudden my resume is kind of complete and we can start like really, you know, kind of shopping me out to different companies. And, you know, as an athlete, I kind of lose control of it at that point because that's really where the agent takes over. Like he's the one really negotiating the best deals and, you know, it was kind of a long process and you're, 
it's kind of anxiety producing because <laughs> like you'll think something is about to happen and then it doesn't happen and you're like you hear the names of companies involved and so I just tried to like I don't know I just kind of tried to let it happen and see where it went and then uh eventually yeah Saucony uh and Polar kind of came to the forefront and I was just like yeah absolutely these are these are both companies whose products I've used in the past and you know, I just kind of agreed with, with who they were as a company. And when they offered me a contract, uh, that was a good day. So you're infamous though. Like, uh, who's the guy with the long hair and in the mustache at the 10 K trials? Uh, you were yeah. wearing a Brooks Jersey. <laughs> yeah. So I was on the, uh, uh, I don't think the program exists anymore, but it was called the Brooks ID program. Okay. Uh, which essentially is gear. Um, so you, it is a contract. You sign a contract, they give you so much gear and there's some financial bonuses. Mm. Um, but there's nothing in terms of like, um, in terms of a salary. Yeah. So, uh, so you, you know, people would definitely call that a contract. I didn't want to call myself a professional runner until it was what I did professionally. You know what I mean? Until that's like, what, until I could tell people like, I'm a professional runner. Like this is what, you know, keeps the roof like I do this a business now and so yeah I was wearing a Brooks kit but um I didn't really consider that a sponsorship I considered that more kind of help with with training gear um which which was great for me at the time and like definitely was thankful for it um but once you approach a certain level um I think it's okay to have higher expectations yeah so you I mean so now you get to actually train and live like a professional athlete. I mean, before you were having to like work other jobs and things like that. So it's funny because when I emailed you this morning, I know I'm, I'm two hours, uh, ahead of you. And I think I emailed you like at 7am or something. So I was, I told my husband, Glenn, I said, Oh, he's probably either running or sleeping. And Glenn was like, he's definitely sleeping. <laughs> Cause now, now that you're like, you know, in this world, you're like, Oh, I want to sleep 10, get to sleep 10 hours a night and all that. So how has like how have those kind of lifestyle changes transformed your running? Yeah. Um, well, to be honest, I still work a couple of days um, a week just to just to kind of fill the time. And in mm-hmm. between that and training and like and just my traveling schedule, like I'm I'm almost like busier than I've ever been. Um, so so the lifestyle, like in terms of you know sleeping and eating and everything, hasn't really changed a whole lot. Um, okay. I was working a job at a gym before I signed my contract that would, that would keep me, keep me at work pretty late at night. Um, so I don't do that anymore, which is nice. So I have a little more time to, to myself and to recover in the middle of days and everything. Um, yeah, but it, I, I didn't want it to change my life dramatically because I was successful because I was doing things a certain way. Um, and I didn't necessarily think that, you know, having less to do would make me more successful, I guess. Um, and so I've still, you know, I still maintain, you know, a relatively busy schedule, I think, but, uh, but it is conducive to running. Like I can almost always get, you know, eight to 10 hours of sleep and have a little break in the middle of the day to, to rest. And so, yeah, I, I'm definitely living a lifestyle that's, that's conducive to training. So you, are you working at a running store? Yep. Yep. I'm working at Fleet Feet in Boulder, um, like 10 to 15 hours a week, kind of depending on the week and what they need me for. Is that funny? I mean, I feel like people know who you are now. Do people come into the store and be like, oh, you're that guy? Like, Yeah. I mean, well, the Boulder running community is interesting in that there are a lot of fans in the area. So, um, you know, a lot of people kind of, you know, know who I am. But at the same time, we're in Boulder. 
and there are a ton of much better runners than me, you know? And so it's like, I don't, I don't really get a chance to get a big head. It's like people recognize you as being in that community, but at the same time, you know, Emma Coburn or Jenny Simpson are here too. Um, and so it's easy to just keep a level head, even if you're recognized because you're like, okay, they recognize me, but they also recognize like, you know, world championship medal winners and Olympians. Yeah, but Emma Coburn and Jenny Simpson, I bet they're not working at the running store. No, they're not working at the running <laughs> store. They do come in. They do come in from time to time. But uh, but yeah, no, it's cool. Um, and every now and then somebody from out of town will walk in. You'll yeah. kind of you'll kind of see them looking at me weird while they while the pieces come together. But um, no, it's fun. I think I like doing it um because it really keeps me involved in the community in a way, and you know keeps keeps me out and about instead of just like being at home napping all the time. Yeah. Do you still have the really long hair? Yeah. 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 That, <laughs> that hasn't changed. And I, at this point, I don't think I could probably ever cut it because it's like your signature. Kind of synonymous. I know it's kind of synonymous with who I am now, but you know, I've had long hair for a long time and yeah, I don't really see any reason to, to chop it all off now. So I remember you tweeting something that made me laugh because you were like something about, I woke up and wanted a better life for myself, so I created a new social media account, and it was your. You, oh yeah. It's like you started Instagram. your Instagram page, yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to just ask you a couple questions about it because, um, and I don't know if you you probably haven't checked your phone like in the ten minutes between when we texted and when we got on the call, but I just put up an Instagram story saying we're about to talk, and I was listening to Dave Matthews in the background, mm-hmm. and I said, I don't know if this is hipster enough for for Noah Drotty or whatever, like joking around, you know. <laughs> And, um, tell me about, I mean, cause you do kind of come off as that, like having that like hipster vibe or whatever. And I, to be completely honest, I told Glenn this, um, before we talked, I was like, I'm kind of intimidated by like hipsters in general. Like, you know, you go to a coffee shop and whoever's working there, they just seem kind of cold. And I feel like if I order my coffee a certain way, they're going to judge me for not being like different enough or whatever. Um, yeah. So, like, debunk those stereotypes and tell me about how, I mean, now that you're sponsored by Saucony, you kind of, like, in general, in this world, you kind of have to be on social media and, like, for lack of a better term, play the game, you know? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm corporate. I'm a corporate sellout yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know that me being supported by a company definitely, I mean, has to change yeah. who I am at all. I mean, I, I, to be honest, like they signed me because of, of who I am, mm-hmm. um, in addition to my running. Um, so they, yeah, they weren't asking for any, any changes. Um, in terms of, you know, the, the hipster label, I've never, uh, I don't know. I've never really liked <laughs> I know. That. I, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I definitely get it, but, uh, I just kind of feel like I've always kind of done my own thing and enjoyed what I enjoy. And, and to some people that is that has made me <laughs> a hipster, I guess. But I kind of I I guess I don't really get it. I I don't really understand what a hipster is entirely. And I feel like if someone is judging you at a coffee shop, they probably have some other issues <laughs> <laughs> going on. Um, but I don't know. I guess some of the things I like are maybe kind of unique or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I've never really understood the the stereotype too much. Um, but I try not to judge people for how they order their coffee. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, I feel like hipsters kind of like an outdated term in 2018. But I didn't know what else term to say. And um, the coffee shop thing is like I. I'm probably just being self-conscious, you know, like whoever it is probably isn't actually judging me. It's probably me being self-conscious, but I've always just like had this like 
they're going to think I'm too, I don't know, preppy or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, but the, but the most hipster thing is not caring about it. So if they true. think you're preppy, you just got to roll with it. And then all of a sudden you're like kind of a preppy hipster. They you should know? just and, like and accept. You're as cool as they are. And preppy is probably not the best word for me. Like athletic. Because <laughs> all I wear is athletic gear. You're, but You're a narp. Yeah, and I actually, what is it? You're an ARP, an athletic real person. An athletic real person. We should start that trend, start that hashtag. Um, Well, yeah, and I appreciate that about Saucony. I kind of feel like they've always, I feel like Saucony is the kind of brand that um, picks people up, not just for, you know, you said, you know, you got to kind of be competing nationally and doing well more than once. But like, I feel like Saucony kind of picks people up for their personalities and for what else they have to offer for those reasons, Um, which is why I was excited when they picked you up. Yeah, they definitely want people, their athletes to be themselves. I mean, I I don't know that many people are really inspired by these like total robot runners who have no time for anything else, Mm -hmm. but, but running and training and talking about their own running. Like, I think people are more inspired by by people who train hard and run well, but are also, you know, human beings outside of training as well. And I think uh, the team that Saucony has put together is, you know, is a lot of those people. So it's been, it's been fun. So yeah, you do seem very balanced outside of running. You seem like you have very much held on to the other things in your life that are important. So tell us what some of those other things are. Yeah. I mean, I like to think I'm balanced. My girlfriend might tell you different. At least sometimes when I'm being like neurotic about a race coming up. Um, but yeah, well, I guess one big thing is we recently uh, we recently adopted a greyhound. Um, oh. So that that's been a lot of fun. Um, just like taking care of her and you know being a dog person now. Um, you know, I I try to read quite a bit. Um, I enjoy music, and though I don't go to as many shows as I used to because of you know, how late they go and Uh how early I have to be up for training. Like I try to catch shows when I can too. And, and now like traveling has become like kind of a big part of my life because I'm traveling, you know, essentially for work now, but I try to build in some, some time to explore the places that I'm going. So, um, yeah, I've never excelled when I've been 100% just laser focused on my running and training. Um, I've always run better when I'm a little more relaxed, like continue to have some semblance of a social life and make some other room for stuff that, that doesn't involve, you know, stop, stop watches and weird energy drinks. Okay. So what are the bands that you like to listen to? Cause now I can really judge you if like, what kind of like hipster you are, if you tell me that. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of depends on, on like what's going on that day, I guess. I, I really love like Delta Blues music. Um I really love I really love like indie rock music and I really love folk music and bluegrass. I would mm-hmm. say those are probably like the top the top genres what's that the, I'm kinda listening to nowadays. What's the best concert you've ever been to? Or one of them? Um so my favorite brand my favorite band is called Brand New. Um they're kind of like a punk rock post hardcore or emo kind of band and they were you know definitely my favorite like in high school and through college and and so I would say the significance of seeing them like live just because they were like the band for me um and I've seen them a couple times now I I would say like those are probably like the most meaningful concerts I've ever been to do you like Pearl Jam um I don't listen to much Pearl Jam um I don't actively dislike Pearl Jam okay 
Just curious. Yeah. Is, is that like a politically correct answer? No, I, I like them fine. <laughs> I just don't. Um, I just don't like it's not something it's not a record that I would necessarily put on. But if it was on at a party, I'd be totally cool with it. Yeah. No, I only ask because it's my husband's favorite band. And I've since like ha- kind of like had to become a Pearl Jam fan because it's just like so part of our lives like I've been to so many shows by now and now I know like so many Pearl Jam songs so I just and I feel like it's kind of um I don't know it's kind of a cool band to like so I was just curious if you liked them yeah um so they they played when I was living in Chicago after I graduated they played at Wrigley Field and this would have been 2013 mm-hmm. um and my my buddy had a apartment right by Wrigley um and so we all just like went over and like kind of we're just like drinking on his like patio or whatever because it faced Wrigley and and I I saw we saw Pearl Jam kind of come out of the call room and like walk down oh, onto the fun. stage and then, and then and then we could kind of listen to it from the outside. So I have I have kind of been to a Pearl Jam concert. Well, that wasn't was that the year of the huge thun, like the huge storm. Yep. Yeah, my husband yep. was there. Of course, you know, like we live in Italy, yeah. so like if they're in Chicago, he's there. You're there. I wasn't yeah. there because we. It was like I think our oldest was only one, and I just like stayed home. But um, he was there because I remember he, him saying they had like a three hour break because of the weather, and then they came back on at like midnight and still played the entire rest of the set they were gonna play. And I yeah. just remember thinking, oh, yep, I would have been I so was, pissed. I was outside. I probably would have. Yeah, no, I probably would have gone home. A lot of people left. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people did leave. And then I remember people around Chicago the next day just being like, oh, my God, I can't believe I left. Yeah, I would have left for sure and not even cared about missing the rest of the concert. So what would have happened if I went is I would have left and gone back to our hotel or wherever we were staying and he would have just stayed by himself. So thankful he, <laughs> he was with a friend who, like, didn't care about staying up till three in the morning. OK, oh. Noah. So what... I have a couple questions I always ask my guests at the end of the show, but first, uh, tell me what are your what are your like pie in the sky goals for 2018? Oh, pie in the sky. So, so I would like to um, I'd I'd like to run a PR in the half marathon. Um, I think I would be okay if I went the rest of this year and did not do that, just because I'm pretty content with where it is at this point. But I would like to run under 6130. Um, and then my, I would say like the thing that I'm really thinking about the most is breaking 28 minutes in the track 10K. Okay. Uh, um, so that's going to be a big one. And then I, I just really hope to get to the start line of a fall marathon, um, you know, confident in my buildup and giving myself a full chance to, to run something good there. So, so yeah, I would say in order of importance, um, you know, running, running a significant marathon and uh, breaking 28 in the 10K. Now, does that marathon need to be something like Chicago for how competitive you are now? Like, is Monumental, would that, if they invited you or whatever, would that even be in the, like, group of ones you'd consider for this year? Um, no. Uh, so, you know, I love Monumental. It's a great event. Um, but in terms of these, of the World Marathon majors, yeah, um, the level of competition they attract, and then, you know, from this is maybe kind of weird to talk about, but from a business perspective, yeah. Um, the, the big races, you know, they, you know, they, they pay us to be there. Right. Um, and they have bigger purse strings. And so when this is my, my job, mm-hmm. you know, that's something I have to consider. So, um, yeah, in terms of, in terms of marathons, like, you know, we'll probably focus on, on the pretty big ones. Um, 
but in terms of halves, like that's definitely where I would have a little more leeway mm. um, to run some of the Indiana races. So one more time for the race directors who may be, <laughs> who may be listening. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that would, you know, we're probably looking at like a Chicago, New York, okay, um, or maybe something international, you know, like Berlin. Do you have a preference? Like, I mean, beyond everything else, just like as far as what course you'd run a run? Um, do I have a preference? No, not, not really. Um, you know, I loved the atmosphere in Chicago. I could definitely see myself going back there. Um, but I feel like I'm also kind of in the throes of a relationship with New York at this point. And, uh, and the marathon is, is, you know, kind of like the crown jewel of American marathoning is New York. Yeah. Um, and I would all, but I would also love to travel internationally, um, and kind of have that experience too. So I, I think I'll be happy no matter where I end up. There's, there's not really a bad choice. Okay. Well, we'll be cheering for you for sure. What, what's one thing, and this doesn't have to be 2018, but what's one thing professionally or personally that you haven't done in your, are you 27 or 28? I'm 27. Born in 1990 people making me feel yep. old. Um, <laughs> what's one thing professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet in your 28 years of life? 27 years. Um, yeah, 27. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah. One thing I, I want to do this year is definitely, is definitely race internationally. Um, that was the priority going into this year is, is to find a race outside of the country that I can go do. I, I have definitely traveled. I've definitely, I'm pretty well traveled, but I haven't had the experience of, of going to a race abroad and like, and just going through that experience in kind of another world. So, so that's definitely on my priority list this year. What is an accomplishment you're most proud of? Yeah, I was kind of thinking about that and, you know, there's definitely singular running accomplishments that I'm proud of, but I I would say just, you know, that, that moment where I like, I kind of packed up all my stuff and, and like pulled out of my mom's driveway and like drove to Boulder, like, um, you know, looking, looking back our decision to just like kind of uproot my life and go somewhere totally new and start over. And maybe I didn't realize how scary that was in the actual moment, but like looking at back on it now, I'm like, man, that was actually like, that was actually a pretty big deal. Um, and so I guess I'm proud of myself for, for following through with that and like actually doing it. Um, because it would have been easy to stay and not, and not take that chance. And so, and that has kind of been, you know, that, that move has been the catalyst for a lot of the most important things that have happened in my life to this point. Yeah. You could be like sitting here with us scrubs in Indiana still, just like winning local races. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but, <laughs> but uh, it is fun being out here too. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and, and let's not forget to mention how young you were when you did that. I mean, really, were you 24? No, you were 25. Yeah. yeah. I would have been, yeah, I was 25. I had like just recently turned 25. Yeah. I mean, so that, and that's just like, um, even I'm 34 and even looking back to like what I was doing then in life, that's just like a vulnerable place to be in your life when you're kind of like you graduate school, you don't really know what you're doing with your life. Everybody's asking you what you're doing. You don't know what to say and you just packed up and went. So yeah, that's really something to be proud of for sure. I mean, I was like, if I'm going to tell people that I'm running, like I might as well like, pack up and like go do it for real. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then I can like at least feel better when I give the answer. 
Yeah, instead of people being like, so you are running professionally, but like, is it really a thing? And now you can be like, yeah, it's a thing. I'm sponsored by Saucony and Polar, okay? This is my job. Yeah, I was I was definitely sick of having that conversation, so it's nice to have like a real answer now. Um, okay, Noah, this is a big one. If you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? Ah, uh, God, it's like impossible to answer this without sounding like just very corny, like a motivational speaker or something. But, um, but like, I, you know, I, I would encourage people to think about like the one thing that they're like truly, you know, passionate about and like hopefully good at as well. And like to kind of start building a life around that, around that one thing, instead of making that one thing kind of an accessory to the life they already have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a decision that I made a couple of years ago and I really feel like other parts of my life, um, have kind of fallen in around that decision to the point where I'm like pretty satisfied, um, where I am like personally and professionally now. Um, and it was, you know, the, I say that with kind of the asterisks of, you know, I did like leave my family and some really incredible friends in Indianapolis who I miss a lot. Um, but in terms of what the right move for me was, you know, it all came down to, to prioritizing the thing that I was passionate about and then, and then just going for it. Um, and so that, that would be my advice is to people to like really sit down and think about what, what like makes you happy and then, and then think about what ways you could pursue that, um, sustainably. That's really good. I, it made me think of this, um, quote I saw on Instagram by, do you know who Gary Vanderchuk is? I don't think so. Well, he's just, he's a hothead, but he's like, super into like entrepreneurship and all this stuff. And, um, he's kind of a motivational guy for someone who's trying to kind of carve their own path and make a way for, with their own pursuits. But, um, he said, if you live for the weekends, your shit is broken. And I just love that. And I know that it's hard to say that to some people who, you know, like you might have to have this job that you don't love so much right now, but it is so true. Like, man, as the older I get, the more I'm like, life is so short. Like, why would I do anything that I'm not enjoying? And sure, we have to do some things we don't enjoy. That's just how it is. But truly, I mean, because these years go by and it's like, let's not waste them, you know? Yeah, I was saying it's like, it's like totally okay. And like, I think all, all work is admirable. So like kind of work a shit job to get by and stuff. But I think you definitely have to be always thinking of like a next move or, or like finding time to pursue kind of an outside passion and not just falling into that, that like nine to five, like total routine, you know? Totally. Um, okay. This is, and this is why my husband runs 15 miles before work. Like he works eight to five normal, but he also really likes running. So I mean, yeah, that's awesome. Then his shit's not broken, I guess. Cause he's also pursuing yeah. something else he loves. <laughs> um, you mentioned you like to read. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, I guess I, I've read a couple things. I read I read a book called Mole People, which is about like sub the subterranean homeless population in New York City. Okay. Um, which which is like really interesting and real weird. Um, and then the other one that I'm most of the way through is uh, Me Talk Pretty One Day by David Sedaris, um, who I like a lot. Um, yeah, he's you know just kind of the a humorist who like you know, makes kind of everyday life really extraordinarily funny. So, um, that's, that's kind of what I'm enjoying right now. What was the New York one called? 
Um, I, th- I think it's just called mole people or, or some variation of that. Like M-O-L-E? Yeah. Okay. Do you read on a, like, do you do books, books? Do you do Kindles? Do you do a Kindle? Do you do audio? Um, I read books, books. Yeah. I, I don't have a Kindle. Um, I do really love podcasts too. Mm. Um, but th- those aren't really audio books, but podcasts are another, um, you know, big interest of mine. Okay. So what are some of your favorite podcasts? Yeah, I'm actually, I figured that was the next question. So I'm <laughs> pulling up my, uh, I'm pulling up my like s- subscribe list. Um, so let's see what heavyweight is a, is one that I like a lot. Um, radio lab, which is a pretty mm-hmm. well-known one that I think is really awesome. Um, there's one called snap judgment, Ted radio hour, this American life. Um, yeah, those, those are definitely some of my, you know, my, my normal go-tos. Okay. So who do you recommend me having on this show that you'd be like, I'm going to listen to all have another because X guest is on the show. Oh, um, man, there's so many great people who could, uh, who could fit that bill. Um, honestly, I, I think it'd be cool if you talked to my teammate, Aaliyah Gray. I think she's, she's uh, very well-spoken and has a pretty cool story, um, that I think, you know, would kind of resonate with people, but I don't know. Everywhere I go, I I meet really great runners with cool stories. It's I don't really have a short list, I guess. Okay, so uh, that now that you said that, I'm just gonna have to expect that you'll be able to connect me with her. Yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll put your people in touch with her. <laughs> um, now, just going off that, is there anybody in the sport, you know, anywhere like might be an American, might not be, but is there anybody in the sport that you kind of look up to and and admire as far as their training and their racing goes oh yeah um for sure um let's see let's see who would i tell you i mean i would definitely say like jared ward is one of those guys who you know i admire his work ethic what he's able to do outside of running and um just like the accomplishments he's had so far um is he a he, teacher I mean, he's got, he is yeah um he he's a professor at byu okay um, and something like math related that's way over my head, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's an awesome guy and he's definitely somebody who's kind of, who's, uh, been really running down and, you know, and, and he still beats me more often than not, but he's, he's definitely a guy I always root for and admire. Does that, um, were you were still talking about Jared, right? You kind of cut out. Yeah. Still talking about Jared. Okay. Um, cause is he like late? How old is he? Um, you know, he, he's not as old as you may think because he's actually got a few kids, but right. I, I think he's in, he's in his late 20s. Oh, oh, he is younger than I thought. Yeah. I guess you have kids, people have kids and you just assume they're older for some reason. Yeah, he definitely had, he had kids young. Oh, okay. Yeah, I definitely thought he's older because my question was going to be, does that encourage you that like he's older and like still running these fast times, but that's just not a relevant question anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is a little bit older, but uh, he's still, uh, I would still put him in the prime of his career. Yeah. Um, what are some, do you have any nonprofits you like to support? Um, so when I was in Indianapolis and I'm getting, I may be getting confused on the name now because there's a similar organization in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is maybe a longer answer than you want, but to give you a little backstory. Um, so maybe six months or so, before I moved, or maybe a year before I moved out here, I, I went on a long hiking trip to the John Muir Trail, and uh, it, it's through the Sierras in California. 
mm-hmm. and I was gone for like six weeks and I, I did like a crowd crowdfunding project or kind of raise some money um, so that I could buy some gear and stuff. And I think I, I think I raised, I don't know, five or $600, something like that. Um, and I kind of wrote a blog about it and stuff. And so anyway, the caveat was for that GoFundMe was that I, I would then, I would then pay that money back um, not to the people who gave it to me, but to an organization that I chose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I ended up choosing uh, Growing Places. They do like urban agriculture in Indianapolis. Are oh, you familiar? Yeah, well? I've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they, so I lived right by Arsenal Tech High School, and yep. they had they had a garden there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that was a really awesome program to kind of bring fresh produce into what is, you know, kind of a food desert on the east side of Indianapolis mm-hmm. um, and bringing agriculture to a community, um, you know, myself included, that it has, has been totally separated. I mean, we live from agriculture because we live in cities, you know, food comes from grocery stores, not from farms. Um, and so I really admired what they were doing. And so that, that's the organization I chose to to support um, in Indianapolis. And uh, so that, that's when I was through at you i mean now i i guess i you know i kind of i work with some different like running related nonprofits. um just through like i mean new york roadrunners is a nonprofit mm-hmm. uh, who i was just out there working with and i try to take advantages of any opportunities i can to like work with children's organizations and stuff when uh when a race i'm doing is involved with that so that's kind of what i do now and and i'm also one of those people who really means to like start donating to uh their local public radio station and i just oh, like yeah um, so, <laughs> so i i was i, I was a uh, supporter in indianapolis and i just have not switched my affiliation to the colorado public radio yet you did mention a lot of npr podcasts yeah no i'm a big npr guy like my <laughs> mom's like a librarian you uh-huh. know like a liberal librarian like npr is always on in the house <laughs> yeah um, okay, I have one listener question before we get off. How do you run with your hair down? Um, that's yeah, that's Susan. a question I get a lot. And I, yeah, I, I didn't know that that was really like a thing that people didn't do, but I'm, I'm almost always wearing a hat, so it keeps it mm. it keeps it kind of pulled back. Um, and so I would like when I'm training most days, I do have it like kind of tied back in a ponytail, but I do kind of like the the, the rawness of just like having it down um, in a race, and it's it's really never bothered me. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I see people working out. I can't do anything with my hair down. I mean, I guess I could, but it would just like flop around. But I, yeah, if you're wearing a hat, but wouldn't the sweat on your neck get on your nerves? Uh, I guess something. To, to be totally honest. <laughs> All right, Noah. Through my neck. Sorry, what did you say? You cut out again. I'm sorry. Oh, I said, I said maybe my neck doesn't sweat that much. I can tell that you've done several podcasts because anytime your phone cuts out, you like get it and then you're like, oh, that's okay. And you know exactly how to like what to how to re-say what you just said. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I've I've, I've done this a time or two. Well, thanks for chatting with me today. I know we kind of went a little bit longer. I actually, you know, I you are the fourth male that's ever been on my show and I've had 106 episodes. So, um, yeah. I was bragging to my girlfriend about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should because the other, the other, you want to who you want to know who the other three are is one is my husband, um, the other is Bob Kennedy, and then yeah. Pete the Planner, which is just like a totally random one. He's like a finance expert. Um, but yeah, so you're joining like the ranks of these it's, totally random guys here. 
hey, good company. Well, Bob Kennedy, I wouldn't call a random guy, but like, right, <laughs> but, right, right, right. But yeah, good company. <laughs> I know, right? Good company. Well, and I'm gonna, I am for some somehow. I guess the guys like to listen to. I'm picking up some more male listeners, so I decided that like I don't need to be so female focused. And though I'll probably always stay a little bit more female focused. Um, before this conversation, I told my husband, I said I'm a little bit nervous because I'm I'm used to like the girlfriend chatter, you know, like. But I'm not used to interviewing guys, but you made this really easy for me. So thank you for that. Yeah, we've had some good banter. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, all right. Well, good luck in New York. I'll be uh, I'll be cheering for you and uh, we'll be tracking your time for sure. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for having me on. All right. We'll talk soon. Yep. See you later. Bye, Noah. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And thank you, Noah, for coming on the show and being my fourth male guest. You guys can follow Noah on Instagram at Noah underscore Drotty. You can follow me on Instagram at LindsayHine626. You can follow Noah on Twitter at IBuiltTheArc. You can find me on Twitter at LindsayHine. I also have a Facebook page and group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Thank you, Prep Dish, for supporting this podcast episode. You guys go to PrepDish.com slash another and use the code another to get a free two-week trial on their services. Also check out the bark bath, thistle.com slash another and use the coupon code another to get two free no rinse shampoos with your order of a bark bath. All right, guys, have a great Friday. Have a great rest of the weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.